Hello and welcome to another edition of 8 More Miles, the Louisville Metro Council District 8 podcast. This is Councilman Brandon Cohn. Today is Thursday, June the 28th, and we have two guests today. Uh, our first guest is Mo McKnight Howe, and our second guest is Joe Heron. They're actually on together, and we were going to have a third guest, Andy Bleeden. Uh, the theme of today's show is going to be the three little pigs, and we're talking to people who have sort of a foot in the Highlands and another foot in Butchertown, and we wanted to talk about the two areas of town and what their experiences are in both and what we in the Highlands can learn from what's going on in Butchertown and more. So that's generally the theme of today's show. Mo and Joe, hello. Thank you for joining us, and we're really glad you're here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So it's hard to, um, and we're talking to both of you guys at the same time. <laughs> so... Um, um, you know, um, people probably know you the best for your businesses, for your main businesses. Joe, you and your wife, Leslie, are the owners and proprietors and the geniuses behind Copper and Kings. And Mo, I think people probably know you the best for Revelry Boutique and Gallery, which is located now on Market Street, but used to be located on Barrett Avenue. And we'll talk a little bit about more about that. But um, why don't you tell folks who don't know you a little bit about your background and more specifically sort of, you know, I mentioned you had a foot in the Highlands and a foot in Butchertown or in the Butchertown area. Tell me a little bit about that. And I guess, Mo, you can go first. Um, well, I grew up in the Highlands on Windsor Place and um, right there by Tyler Park. And I started my first business in the Highlands, which was Revelry, which is now obviously in Nulu. Um, and then I, I bought my first house in the Highlands. So um, I, I love the Highlands. I'll, it will always kind of be home to me. And it's been, a, I never even considered moving to Butchertown, but it's where I now live. It's where I moved my house and I also moved my business. Um, but I still own property in the Highlands and I still love the Highlands. So um, I'm just in Butchertown and Neely right now. Give us a little bit of a better sense of the timeline because your parents, Kelly and Ellen, still live on Windsor Place. Yes. And you and your brother, JK, who um, is most known for the Forecastle Festival and started the first Forecastle Festival in Tyler Park. Yeah. Tell us a little bit how long you lived there and grew up there and then how long you lived over on Speed Avenue and how long the business was on Barrett and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I actually, my parents moved here 31 years ago. So I was um, I was not even alive or in the world yet. Um, and I was the only person in my family born here in Kentucky, in Louisville. And so 31 years ago, they moved to their house on Windsor, uh, paid $60,000 for it at the time. Mm. <laughs> and um, my dad bartended at Jack Fry's, and my mom was the hostess at Jack Fry's because they wanted to get to know the neighborhood, and they wanted to get to know the people in the neighborhood. And... Um, then, you know, JK and I obviously grew up in the Highlands and loved it. And we walked everywhere. I mean, we walked to go to Winn-Dixie at the time to get groceries and, um, Great Harvest Bread to get our bread and, you know, went to Heine Brothers and Keys Hardware. We did everything in the Highlands. We never left the Highlands. So I was used to it always being a walking neighborhood. I was used to knowing all of the owners of all the shops. And um, I think it gave me a real love for small business, which is why I ended up starting Revelry with um, my now sister-in-law, Paula Weiler, on Barrett Avenue. And um, we started that eight years ago. Wow. And um, we were in the Highlands and on Barrett Avenue right next to Lynn's Paradise Cafe for four years. And then four years ago, I, um, Lynn's closed overnight shockingly to me and really killed my business on mm -hmm. Baird Avenue. Um, 
all that was left was Regalo, Nitty Gritty, me, and a smoke shop in, in a tattoo parlor. So um, when Regalo said that they were probably going to move, I went ahead and moved because I couldn't afford to be there anymore. And I made the big jump to Nulu, doubled my rent, <laughs> actually tripled my rent, and doubled my space. And um, I was really scared because we didn't have any money at the time. Um, but it worked out. It worked out really, really well. And around the same time as when you moved the shop down to uh, Nulu, or I guess technically Phoenix Hill, East Market Street District, you and your husband Scott were living on Speed Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also moved down to Butchertown where you live now. Yes. We ended up, well, we had a brief stint where we actually stayed in Gil's carriage house because, again, we had no money because Revelry had gone under, Scotty had quit his job. So we basically had to move out of our house on speed. And um, the wonderful Gail Holland uh, let us stay in his carriage house on Cherokee because they were trying to sell their house on Cherokee. So we actually lived there for a year. So. And then, um, and then yeah, we finally could get enough money to afford a shotgun in Butchertown. So yeah, I pretty much moved my business and my house to Butchertown all four years ago. Yeah, and Gil and Augusta Holland, who obviously have been huge investors and... Um, um, just great community stewards and early investors in the sort of East Market Street Renaissance also were living in in uh, Cherokee Triangle in the Highlands at the time. So that's somebody else we could cram into this room. But um, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, you know how you ended up living where you're living and how Copper and Kings ended up being located where it's where it's located. You know, we just to give the listeners some background. So my accent is South African. So if you can't understand me, that's why. And my name is Joe, not John. Because whenever I introduce myself, I say, my name is Joe. They say, well, hello, John. So (laughs) nobody understands me. Um, We were living in Minneapolis. We moved to the U.S. from, well, actually from Sweden via London in 2001. And it started two businesses and then lost our minds and decided to start a brandy business. And we're very, very close friends with Dave Defoe, who owns Flavor Man. Uh, and Dave suggested that we come down and use their pilot distillery to investigate brandy. We had never made brandy, and so we said yes. We always liked Louisville, um, and we started working uh, working here. And Dave suggested, "Why don't you start your business in Louisville?" And we're like, "Seriously?" And you know, and actually, it was the smartest decision we ever made was to start Copper and Kings in Louisville. It's been a it's been much more successful because of that. And um, we were living above Impelazeri's on Main Street, which is kind of cool. It was nice to be downtown. Um, we had a 17-year-old miniature dachshund called Mushu, which I'd have to take to the bathroom outside Humana, which involved me carrying this dog. couldn't walk past the hip-hop club looking very effeminate with this dog. And they would tease me mercilessly. What kind of dog is that? It's a collie or whatever, you know, with this little long-haired miniature dachshund. But it was nice living downtown, but we would go a lot to Cherokee Park. Uh, And, you know, Cherokee Park in summer is is quite something, especially in spring and summer. And it was cool. And Les would be jogging like a gazelle, and I would be lumbering like a rhinoceros. He'd do two laps to my one. And um, yeah, we just were, we just started to fall in love with the trees, um, the the kind of natural beauty of that area, the old houses which we like, and you know it started to work its charm on us, and we were very interested in actually a, a lifestyle which involved not using your car or not 
you know, commuting too much and just, and, you know, in Minneapolis, we had a bit of that where we lived, um, but it wasn't really an empty nester lifestyle, which me and Les, our children are, are grown up and have left home. So um, at one stage, it just kind of came obvious that we wanted to live in Louisville. And then once we decided that, you know, living in the, in, in the Highlands, in, in all honesty, was almost about, about the only place that we could have imagined ourselves. So, you know, that ability to go to the park, that ability to walk to, we walked to Ceviche last night. We probably walked to Lily's, you know, once a month or, 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 or just to go across the road to Value Market when you need to. It was, it's just a great place to live and because you don't, it's quite effortless. It's effortlessly charming. It's effortlessly convenient. It's, it's only eight minutes from Butchertown. Um, and so we've loved living there. We're, we're, we're two or three houses down from Gil's old house, by the way. So we were right, right there. Um, and I couldn't imagine a, a better place to live. And we love our house. Um, we like our neighbors. And it, it's just, it's cool. And it's fun. And it's, you know, it's, it, there's always something to do. Yeah, as, a, as sort of a little bit of background, interestingly, I sort of did the, re- the reverse Highlands, Butchertown, Highlands shuffle myself. My wife Summer and I, when we met, we were both living in the Deer Park neighborhood. And then when we moved in together, we moved down to Butchertown before Copper and King set up shop. And I think before Revelry probably we Washington moved down Washington and there. Adams down yeah, in the In Washington and Adams. Yeah. And, um, we took, and then we took off and moved back up to Tyler Park right about the same time that you all came down the hill. And it, it's, I, I've mentioned it before, I always found it, where we lived at least, once we lived down in Butchertown, we didn't come up to the Highlands very often. And when we lived up here, we didn't go down there very often. Um, and I don't really know why, and it's something maybe we can talk about. But in any case, let's say that this was, how many years ago? Eight, let's see, five years, let's just say the last five years. That's about the time where you said Revelry moved, and maybe about as long as we moved. How have you seen Butchertown change in the last five years? And when I say Butchertown... I also include the East Market Street area and on, and on the side of the street where Reverie is. How, how do you see? How have you seen that part of Louisville change? And by contrast, how have you seen the Highlands change, if at all? Yeah, so Butchertown's interesting because we had a cider company called Crispin, uh, and Crispin was the first cider to ever be barrel aged, and we aged them in Jack Daniel's barrels, and we called them the Jacket because I'm in love with my morning jacket. So. We have this barrel aged cider called the Jacket, and we actually launched it at the homecoming concert for My Morning Jacket at Yum Center for that Halloween concert. And the first place that ever sold it was the Blind Pig. And so we came down to the Blind Pig, and in those days, man, seriously, it it was rough. We didn't know where we were, we didn't know where to park, and we're sitting there, and the Blind Pig today is diagonally opposite where Copper and Kings is. And I remember Les phoning me the first time because Leslie does all of the, the kind of property stuff in our family. She finds and buys the properties. It's her design and creative vision that creates that stuff. That's, she's great at that. She's great at that. Yeah, your, she's your great. design work is just top notch. But even our homes are lovely and, and she does all of that stuff. So she phones and says, I found a place. And she said, it's, it's in downtown Louisville. And I've been coming to Louisville a lot. So I go, oh, so it's on the bad side of town. And she goes, mm, actually, no, it's on the good side of town. So I so, said, oh, okay, how far out? She says, mm, it's 
downtown. I'm like, this place, this is not computing. You know, all right, I have to come down. And so we get, and, and Butchertown is downtown. In every other place in the world, you're in the heart of downtown. But in Louisville, you say you don't go down from the Highlands. For us, it's like we walk from the Highlands to New Louisville. I mean, it's close. It's not far. And it's all downtown. And so from the blind pig and the desolation of, of that time, where Andy was probably the only visionary in the world to look at, you know, Butchertown, to today, you see it. And it's, you know, somebody phoned me the other day, my friend, John Harris. He said, you know, Joe, what's going on? You, you, you guys in Butchertown just suck all the oxygen out of every area. Because it's the hot neighborhood, and that's how neighborhoods work. You get, there's a very big th- difference between momentum and velocity. Momentum is about mo- moving forward. Velocity is about moving forward really quickly. And Butchertown's developed velocity. And that's where, and you look at Fabalu where you had lunch and Andy's whole butcher block development on the east, on the west side. And then you go down now with Lupo and the Butchertown Social on the east side. And then you got the soccer stadium with, the, you know, the, coming on board. You got Naive, you've got the grocery, you've got us. Yeah. Yeah, we need revelry in Butchertown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really great, but that's that's the next step. It's starting to come up and get big because it's moved from momentum to velocity. Yeah, and w- and when we lived down there, we lived there prior to the, bl- the Blind Pig opening. Yeah. And when it opened, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to us. We ate there all the time, and we loved it. And um, Copper and Kings was just uh, a shell of an old fruit warehouse, I think, yeah. and it was that we passed on the way to and fro, and, and the change has been amazing. So The drains work now. Yeah. <laughs> we had Lake Washington for years. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, know if it, I don't know if by contrast you want to say how you've observed the Highlands change, if it has changed at all in the past five years. Clearly, I think the velocity is not the same. Is there momentum? Um, you know, the Highlands has changed... And I'm going to talk about it more commercially than sure. I am residentially because I don't think much has changed on the residential aspect of it. But I think commercially it has changed um, from what I've observed because I actually thought about moving Revelry, you know, to Bardstown Road. I even looked at opening a second Revelry where um, why Louisville closed in that Ooh. spot. And um, you know, the rent wasn't as expensive um, commercially in. In the Highlands, as it was in Nulu, and Nulu was much more expensive. Hmm. But residentially, it's way more expensive to live in the Highlands mm-hmm. than it was. In, so it's interesting that aspect of it. Um, but I, uh, I've seen the Highlands change a lot. Obviously, I've lived there my whole life, yeah. and I've I've seen it change, and it mostly has to do with the people I think that own the land, own the buildings, the commercial buildings in the Highlands, and the choices that they're making with those buildings. And um, what do you mean? I think I think a lot of people invested in the Highlands like in the in the, you know, 70s and 80s and I think that there's a lot of aging landlords um, that are either selling their buildings to for their retirement as most people do, which mm-hmm. is why, you know, you a lot of people invest in commercial real estate um, or they just have kind of lost, you know, lost like the care that they have over some of these commercial buildings saying, just looking at the bottom line, saying who's going to pay me the most rent and sign the longest lease. I don't really care who it is. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like in Butchertown, 
you know, having, and I know a lot of landlords in the Highlands and I know a lot of them in Butchertown. In Butchertown, it's people, it's commercial landlords that are saying, okay, what's going to be the best fit for the neighborhood Mm -hmm. first and foremost, rather than what's my bottom line and who's going to pay me the most rent. Mm -hmm. At least that is, I mean, it's, that's how it is for Scotty and I who looked forever for a tenant for our building, um, where Royal's Hot Chicken is, you know, we had probably 20 chains approach us saying, I'll give you a 10 year lease. I'll do the build out and I'll pay you X amount a month, which was more than any small business could ever offer us. Mm-hmm. And we had to say no because we care about the community and we cared about the culture of the neighborhood and keeping it local. Yeah. Um, now, you know, we're probably going to sell that building in 20 years and retire. Right. And, and then will we see a changeover like we've seen in the Highlands with a lot of, again, aging landlords that are looking at the bottom line. Um, I just, I see a lot of, I miss a lot of the small businesses that were there that were staples for me growing up in the Highlands. Obviously, your ecstasy being one of them. Yeah. Um, well, neighbor, the, neighborhoods have life cycles and they come and exactly. go. And I think, I think there's still obviously a strong local independent business core and constituency in the Highlands area. Totally. But, and I think the restaurants are still, they're still my favorite restaurants are in the Highlands. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't think the Highlands is going anywhere. I think the Highlands is wonderful. I just, I see a shift happening and I do think it has to do with a lot of investment that happened in the seventies and eighties in the area. Um, which is now a lot of people my age starting to invest in Butchertown and Nulu. It seems like there's maybe an infusion and sort of just a a period in the life cycle where there's a new generation investing in, in Butchertown. I lived in Butchertown um, however many years ago, and Jim Segrist was still alive. Jim, one of the all-time legends of Butchertown, one of the best community organizers in Louisville history, one of the most uh, passionate historic preservationists and just neighborhood advocates that you could ever, um, ever, ever hope to know and have the privilege of being friends with. And... Um, so when we were in Butchertown at that time, and I think it's there's what we're still experiencing there is a real tight knit neighborhood with a lot of fierce um, identif- identity and pride tied up in, in Butchertown. I think you can almost see that to a fault because there's like six businesses who all have the word Butchertown in their name. It's like Butchertown Pizza, Butchertown Bar, Butchertown Hamburg, whatever it is. Um, and to be fair, the Highlands, we sort of Colloquially, colloquially are referring to a lot of different neighborhoods. We're talking about Cherokee Triangle and Tyler Park and Deer Park in a much bigger area, um, and there were obviously different prices in the commercial real in the re- commercial real estate value. So, do you think that um, there is a a a tight knitness around around developing the the commercial identity and the neighborhood identity in Butchertown that is fundamental to what's going on there that without the neighborhood association and without the business association and the fact that you all work together and really cheerleaders for each other on sort of the same team, how important is that to your all's individual success? You know, I I think that there is a creative spot in Butchertown that's different to something more established. So you you have the effervescence of youth is really what's kind of fundamentally defining the neighborhood mm-hmm. and I'm, not, I'm speaking metaphorically as well as age-wise it's not that young I mean I'm just metaphorically it's it's younger it's fresher and you 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 start afresh uh, and you can invent yourself 
on today, not yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it has, it has the community is, is quite cohesive. Um, and I think that that's, that, that's really helpful. Um, it's, it is very supportive from the neighborhood association to the business association. It has, has also had to, you know, surmount some big obstacles in terms of odor, things like that, mm-hmm. just working their way through that. I mean, it takes, you know, someone going to war to get the drains fixed, and then they were. And then, you know, you know we've got the tree planting, and then you know, it, it's, it's kind of working together. I, I think we're a little harsh on, on on, on the highlands in the way we've been speaking. I mean, we're obviously relative newcomers. I mean, that's, so we haven't grown up there. Mm-hmm. I do think it's changed a lot um, in four years. Even since the time you've moved. Oh here. yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's changed a lot. I think that it probably needs to amp up the walkability of that, of, of, of Bardstown Road, that mm-hmm. you that you feel like you are going on an adventure that you can go and walk into boutiques. So the so the, so Louisville as a as a as a city is lacking outside of of, of Newlu and Market Street on a retail walking experience where you can go in and experience new things and 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 kind of spend time window shopping, wandering, and and Bardstown Road doesn't have that at all anymore. There's no wandering around. Bard sound like you would go down you know, Regency Street, London, and I'm just using sure. a big example. Right. You know that you could walk down or Fifth Avenue or something that you that you wonder. Um, I think we need to ramp up the more the more sophisticated dining factor in the, in the Highlands. You know we we have some. You know let's use ceviche, la chasse, lilies, jack fries. But even the Holy Grail is a nice eating experience. That's mm-hmm. a, I mean, there, there's all of that going favorites. on. Those are all, the, I mean, that can live anywhere in, in the world. Those are good restaurants. But what surrounds that, that welcoming this, you're, you're actually, we too often just walk in the door, walk out the door and, and leave and go home, whereas it needs a bit more of a wander around it. Yeah, and we had an episode where we had my friend Lindsay McClave, who's the restaurant reviewer for the Career Journal, come in here and talk about food and restaurants and dining and um, the bar scene and all that sort of stuff in the Highlands. And one of the things we talked about was the distinction of, in the, let's say the 90s, I'll just, uh, if the New York Times would have written a piece that said 36 hours in Louisville in the travel section, it would have told you to go to Cherokee Park. It would have told you to eat at Jack Fry's. It would have told you to shop along Bardstown Road and have the kind of experience that you were just lamenting mm-hmm. does not exist anymore, Joe. And then recently, there was a 36-hour piece in Louisville a couple of years ago, and the only places it told you to go were in Butchertown and on East Market Street, and there was not, not a mention of the Highlands, not, yeah. a, not a whisper of it. And I was sort of shocked by that, and that to me was something that sort of woke me up and said... You know, this is something that has changed here. And, you know, we are always glad that there are other neighborhoods in town doing well. That's what we want. We want a city full of thriving neighborhoods. But at the same time, we have to continue to invest in the Highlands area in order for it to be a, a strong asset. And what I was asking Lindsay about was, is there a real sharp distinction now that the Highlands is no longer a tourist area? Uh, and that where you all are living or and working is, you know, there are new hotels in the area. 
the dis- your distillery and others are really marketed as tourist attractions. I think that you you get some of the benefit from the investment of the you know the Convention and Visitors Bureau and and sort of the economic development apparatus pushing visits to your area. Um, you know, sh- should the should the Highlands remain part of visitors' experience here, and is it lacking that, and does it need that? Just sort of your thoughts. Well, to go back just for a second about what you all were kind of talking about, kind of creating these experiences for people, both tourists and residents, to be able to the walkability of a neighborhood and to be able to have these experiences. And of course, I'm going to relate this back to art, but I look at it as curating these experiences. And so um, when we go to neighborhood meetings or when I go to newly business association meetings, we're saying, man, we really need a juice bar. We really need this. We talk about what we need mm-hmm. to make it a full experience when you come to Butchertown, when you come to Nilu. And all the landlords are usually there. All the people that own the buildings are there. So, um, you know, what do we do? We put Lou Acai Berry. We don't have an Acai These are huge out on the West Coast. Why don't we have one of these? Mm-hmm. So we found a young guy that wanted to start one. Put him in. We really need an ice cream shop. Scotty went and found Louisville Cream. Put an ice cream shop in. So... I think a lot of it has to, it's not like it all just happened. Mm-hmm. All of this was very intentional. Yeah. Um, you had a share, the, the, the business owners had a shared vision for the neighborhood. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we really needed a clothing boutique. Um, so, you know, I, my friend Katie came in, started Six Sisters Clothing. So, and we went out and we actually sought these people mm-hmm. and said, hey, you know, you have a good business plan established. Let's move you in to the neighborhood. We really need someone like you. Um, so I think if, if the Highlands could do that, saying, man, we really need more retail. We have a, these wonderful restaurants. Let's surround them with retail. And you had really mindful landlords that were willing to go out, do the research, find someone that had a good, say, online business already going or that had a location out in Westport Village or wherever, move them into the Highlands, give them some sort of incentive. I think you could start creating these experiences. But I really do look at it as... It's, it's curating. You have to curate these neighborhoods and really go out after the businesses that you want to be in them. Yeah, and you're, you're, so you're sort of emphasizing specifically the retail mix as opposed to, you know, I, I sort of mentioned hotels or, or, or uh, you know, I don't want to reduce the, your distillery to a, a tourist destination because it's certainly not. It's, a, it's, a, it's an active business that people like to go visit, but that it's a destination uh, uh, over and above just, just a, a retail place. Do you think those are important? Should we be... You know, this, the Paris Town development, which is sort of on the border of the Highlands area and whatever it goes up, goes on at uh, the Urban Government Center. Is it important, you think, to have sort of anchor kind of attractions or, or no? Because, you know, the Highlands area is really fundamentally a residential place. And uh, it's for people that want to come, you know, see how the locals live and experience that as part of their visit to Louisville. I, th- I think you have to play to your strength. I think Mo, I mean, articulated something extremely powerful, which is curating an experience for people who are down in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when we first moved to Louisville, that's where we we go, and that's where we still go. Um, we probably spend more time in Nulu than any other neighborhood in the evenings for entertainment. That's that's kind of feels. Um, like a place you want to hang out. I think that you have to play to your strengths. The Highlands is a residential neighborhood, okay? And you want people that live in the Highlands, first and foremost, to be 
you know, visiting the neighborhood, staying in the neighborhood, walking down the street, meeting their neighbors, sitting on the sidewalk and seeing Mo walk down the street and Brandon and Summer with a stroller or whatever. That's what you develop and that's what you create around that. You know, but the Mid-City Mall is, is the, the most wasted real estate in the whole, I was going to use my typical sailor language, but I won't. I mean, the Mid-City Mall is a complete waste. You've got a great cinema, which I really like because I can lie down and lounge at couches. You've got the best dive bar in the city. You've got a nice super, But we're not creating anything around that that says, hey, man, we've got a lot of parking in a city that has too little parking. From New Lou to downtown, well, downtown has more than enough parking, actually. But you know what I mean? It's got tremendous assets that you need. The, the heart of, 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 of Bardstown Road should be the Mid-City Mall. Right. It's the, the one parcel of real estate that's big enough that if you got both sides someone wanted to make both. a significant reinvestment or reimagination of it, then yeah. you could really, really transform the whole area. And, and, so, and, and that's central. Right. So it gives you that you've got, you know, Joylak across the road, you've got Kashmir, you've got, you know, you, you can create this experience around Mid-City Mall that then flows out and flows down. And then you're creating a hub the way that Linz was the Barrett Street hub when you were there and then it disappeared. The opportunity is to reverse that. How do you, how do you make that, that bigger? I think it's... It, it has too many faded patches, as Mo's pointing out, of people that are, are just letting, if not fallow, almost fallow, the, the, the land, the, the, you know, those buildings can. We're sitting on prime real estate. Let's, let's do something cool, like with a fire station. Yeah, <laughs> we, we can talk about that later. But I, I, really, I, I really tend to agree with you, um, Joe, in terms of, first and foremost, you know, District 8, the Highlands area, it is residences. And we do want to see bustling sidewalks full of all sorts of different diverse kinds of people. Um, but we want most of those people to be people that live in the area and that can enjoy it because they live around the corner. They live several blocks. The Highlands has always attracted people from all across Jefferson County and from the area and visitors from out of town to come eat dinner and to come shop. And it's important to have those people. But in terms of a vision for the area going forward, it's not how to make the Highlands another you know, uh, destination point for conventioneers and visitors with hotels and that kind of stuff. No, and when, when people come to Louisville, you know, they're always asking for what, what do locals do? Yeah. That's what it, what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's like recommending hammerheads because only people in Louisville know what hammers is. And who goes right. to have ribs in somebody's granny's basement and right. drinks beer? <laughs> I mean, it's, that's just what makes it unique. And I think we can, we can, it, the closest opportunity we have to a European type tourist experience, mm -hmm. which is inherently residential because a European city is all residential, mm -hmm. is Bardstown Road. Yeah. Because people go there who live there where you, you get that stuff and it needs to, the flow is, is, is too staccato. You don't move in a natural way uh, and, and we need more sidewalk stuff and just that kind of stuff but it's 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 almost there it's not yeah. far off yeah. i mean it really isn't far off it takes a i mean i wish blue dog and red hog were on bardstown road sure and that would be great yeah and that would that's what you need 
Well, one of the things we talk about, and you sort of get, get you both are, are touching on this point, it's a combination of the mix of retail, but then also the, the feel of the road, the ability to stroll down the street and feel comfortable. And that, in my opinion, at least means slowing down traffic, making Bardstown Road less of a highway, more of a, a pedestrian-oriented place that's safer to cross a street. And that's why we're sort of exploring some of these options in the Bardstown Road area. I think Frankfurt Avenue, obviously because it's a little... It's one lane in every direction. It has a little bit more of that sort of pedestrian ambling feel that that's appealing. Um, I, I was going to ask about about how street how street centric Butchertown is. So when you talk about the Highlands, you know Bardstown Road's not the only road. I'm going to talk. I still want to talk about Baird Avenue a little bit later, but Bardstown Road is the commercial spine that lots of different neighborhoods with their own different identities all share in common. Whereas in Butchertown, you know, there are businesses located on Market Street, of course, on Main Street, on, on Washington Street, on Story Avenue, on Melwood Avenue. But it seems to me like the individual, there is no dominant street. Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Does it matter? Am I wrong? You know, just what, what, do, you, what, what do you think about the, you know the sort of street centric approach to I, I, I think story life. avenue constipates the whole of <laughs> that that you know that, that that concept it just does it's a one way street yeah um and, and so you can't really do that in that in that way you're uh, saying you think the one way is problematic and if it was two way it would, it it would change a lot yeah, you sure. would you would be getting people moving in and out the right. the, the traffic flow would be really different it is emerging and I think that soccer stadium will, by the nature of scale, oh, wow. will move it down Washington Street around that area from kind of, say, Wensel to, to Adams. Yeah. Just because that's how those streets work and that's where it'll, that's where it'll densify. And, 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 you know, not just the soccer stadium, but the botanical gardens. That's exactly. A, that's, another, that's another new attraction that I'm talking about. Oh, my about God. That, I, I, I've been on a mission from God to tell people about Beargrass Creek. And yeah. we had no idea of the history of Beargrass Creek when we walked. So we would walk from Impeller's areas down to, to the river and then across past, you know, the boathouse and down there. And then we'd come up and walk up Beargrass Creek. And we're like, this is, this is amazing. Why does nobody ever come here? Uh that's our secret. Botanical gardens and Beargrass Creek just layering into the Ohio and the waterfront park. This, this is stuff, you can't buy this. You can't invent this. You can't city plan this shit. It is yeah. what's real. And this is one of the, I should, I should put a plug in for this project. Now, one of the things I've always been interested in is connecting the Highlands area to Butchertown and to the waterfront. And so there are, there are currently two trails one is one is currently closed. One is the Beargrass Creek Trail that goes from the corner of Lexington and Grinstead behind where Jim Porter's used to be, and it used to dump you out on Spring Street, Spring, yeah. which itself is seeing new development with Nancy's and you know the kind of stuff that's going on down there. And then there's the um, what do you call the Butchertown Greenway, which connects from River Road and dumps you out right on River Road and into Waterfront Park and takes you right past the Botanical Gardens and to Story Avenue near the MSD plant and Karen Lynch Park and into really sort of the far east side of Butchertown. And that's sort of leg one and leg three. There's sort of a missing leg two. And um, we did a, a, a big study 
and had a lot of personal investors, including people, business owners and residents that lived in Butchertown that made their own financial contributions to help us raise the money to do a study to figure out what it would take to really turn that into one continuous trail along Beargrass Creek from Cherokee Park to the Botanical Gardens. Um, and, you know, the Cadillac budget for something like that included another Big Four-style bridge over the railroad tracks, like the, C- the CSX tracks on Melwood, and like a very elaborate plan that cost $42 million for a trail. Now there was a less fancy version that got you down closer to $10 million or $12 million, but it would still be a very expensive project, although not impossible. We were very close once to winning a $10 million grant to get it. But a piece of infrastructure that would really connect... Uh, the two areas, off-road, safe for everybody, safe for families, and that remains um, something that's on our radar, even though the trail's closed for a couple of years, but is, is really a, a dream project that anybody that's listening that wants to learn more about that, um, we'd encourage you to, to, to talk to us offline about so it. So when, when the Pollard family developed the Twin Stadium in Minneapolis, they worked with the city on creating a biking environment where you would ride your bike you can ride a bike around Minneapolis without ever getting on a road I mean it's it's that so we're not at that place yet but the soccer stadium should be connected very forcefully with cycling that Mm -hmm. you could ride your bike because there's a lot of beauty that you can get out of it and I've ridden my bike a lot down Beargrass down that road from spring which is the most impossibly hidden (laughs) path in the history of man you know yeah like you just it's just not there you can hardly see it but these are these are a lot of people don't do things because they want to do the 42 million buck thing instead of doing the 400,000 thing and the 400,000 thing probably achieves 50% of the 42 million thing right but just do the 400,000 thing yeah and we we, we have the inertia of, of of over imaginative ambition yeah just do shit and in fact, we're in fact we're looking. You know, we we want to bring the trails back to what they exist. But we're we're I've suggested that we take some of the money and figure out a way to make separated bike facility that'll take you down Spring and Adams, almost like a, a highway straight to the yeah. to the uh, stadium. I, I think the Story Avenue. If you're talking about Butchertown and and this connection, which is an artery, the whole thing connects all the way up to the Highlands, Paris Point, Newlu, and all of this. This is a connected. It's actually much more community-centric than um, tourism-centric. And that's mm-hmm. why it works. Because people in Louisville, we do stuff that's more localized, more community-centric. Copper and Kings is always defined as a community asset versus a tourist attraction. Yeah. We get much more local people to our distillery than tourists. Because, and to your new bar. In case and you to the bar. and But to Kentucky and gin festivals. Those are designed... For the people of Louisville, yeah, you know, because we had uh, worked much harder at being within the fabric of, of, of the Louisville society because we weren't bourbon. So, but anyway, you you've got to do that. You got to you got to take the the New Lou experience into the Highlands. You got to take the New Lou experience into Butchertown because that's the best practice. Yeah, it's fun. I I love walking down there, and I can have a macaroon, and I can walk into the Red Tree or Revelry or Scout or I'm, I don't even buy anything. I'm just there <laughs> to to wander around, you know. And 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 it's just it's just creative and artistic and an escape. 
Bardstown doesn't feel like an escape, Bardstown Road. Well, we want to we want to tap into the creative genius of people like you who have one leg in our area still and figure out if you can help us with a vision for what's going to come next. And um, I think maybe one place to start is sort of where it circles back in your story. I mentioned Barrett Avenue before Mo because Revelry was an anchor of um, Barrett Avenue in the heyday when Lens was cranking, when there were other businesses around you. I think the I think the area has obviously suffered since Lens went out of business and there's been some other considerable changes there but it seems like things are coming back there's new businesses going to the monkey wrench there's obviously a new restaurant that's taking the place of lens um to sort of wrap in the conversation about infrastructure there's a, a great project the barrett castlewood project that's making really safe excellent bike facilities that'll wind you down from tyler park neighborhood down castlewood avenue up barrett avenue and take you right into the heart of barrett avenue there's potential at the other end of Barrett Avenue uh, where the Urban Government Center is going on. So I'm really bullish on Barrett Avenue, given a little bit more investment in time and infrastructure. Why don't you tell us just a little bit of, I mean, you must have seen the potential there when you moved there in the first place. And I'm wondering if you can imagine what it could be within just a matter of a few years again, if we do things the right way. We On Barrett Avenue, when Revelry was on Barrett Avenue, we had a real clear vision for making it almost a mini arts district. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of artists living on Barrett Avenue. There was um, Regalo had started on Barrett Avenue, and obviously we did. Linz was great. We have artists and craftsmen supplies, you know, which was great. We always went to the Monkey Wrench. Like, we went to, you know, it was just a great little, and we all talked to each other, nitty-gritty. We all talked to each other. We said, let's, we started doing little festivals. We did... Um, the hangover games. Sounds like the Butchertown yeah, experience it, and camaraderie we're it, talking about. It was about. exactly like that. It was, exa- it was a bunch of small business owners getting together saying, let's do little street festivals. Let's do, you know, let's do this. Let's do that. And it was really fun. And then it's almost just like when Lynn's closed, the life got sucked out of us. But we kept trying to be creative and we kept trying to come up with ideas that would bring people back to Baird Avenue. Mm-hmm. But we found out that you know, we were all thriving because it was a lot of people going to Linz and it was a lot of tourists. Yeah. It was a lot of tourists that were bringing in dollars that wanted to take back, you know, something from one of our shops. Yeah. Um, but it still, it had this wonderful artistic feel mm-hmm. on that, on Barrett Avenue. And there was always a place to park. You never really had to worry about that. Um, so I hope that spirit continues. You got Hound Dog Press down there now. Yeah, sure. They weren't there when I was there. They're incredible. Oh, there's a lot of great new businesses yeah. there now. Well, and I'm really excited for Vigrits. And actually, Scotty put them in that building because we, I mean, we, we love, we just fell in love with Barrett Avenue. And False Idol Brewing and Florida Kitchen, the Florida Kitchen. Yeah, the Florida Kitchen. And, yeah, um, there's just so many little businesses that have popped up since. So I'm, I just want them to open. And Wiltshire. In Wiltshire, yeah, they opened there, which I ate at all the time. Right. Um, I just want that business to open in Linz, whatever. I th- and I know it's owned by a Nashville company. It's going to be a barbecue place. It's going to be a barbecue place called Martin's. I've heard good things about it. Well, I really, I want. I think once that opens, you'll and Vigrits opens, and all these wonderful places that you're going to start to see some real foot traffic again on Barrett Avenue. Yeah, good. And I, I just, I'll always have an affinity for for that place and I, I can tell you our rent was so cheap on Barrett Avenue too they really kept I mean we would have never been able to start 
revelry if we were to go straight in Nulu. We just wouldn't have been able to do it. So I think it's a great place to start a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of properties in in the Highlands are easy places to have a starter business mm-hmm. and really feel out crowds and and see you know what your business is going to be like. I think that would be hard to start a business anywhere else. So I give Highlands credit for that. I mean, it's it's where Revelry started. It's where my brother's festival started. Yeah. It's where my dad's career started. So, I mean, we've all started our businesses in the Highlands and they've all grown to be pretty, you know, great businesses, but they all started there because it was affordable. Yeah. It was, and it was great. And I'm, and I'm, I'm I should be clear. I'm totally bullish on the Highlands and I see <laughs> the beginning potential of, um, sort of the new generation of investors. And let's just, I'll just mention another guy who could have been at the table days, Ben Bodkins from Parkside Bikes, who obviously opened an incredibly beautiful store on Bardstown Road and then opened a even more beautiful store on Market Street just this past week. So we want to give a a shout out to Parkside. Um, And there are other young entrepreneurs. We mentioned uh, Lori Beck and Tyler Trotter, another couple who have the Louisville Beer Store on Market Street and who have the Holy Grail and Grail House on in the Highlands. And you know, I, I, I'm seeing and starting something new next door too. Uh, I don't know about this. Are you going to tell yeah. us, or are they going to tell us? We'll let them break the news for us. It sounds cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, we'll 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 have them on the show. I think Lori and Tyler, or Lori, either one would be a great guest. But we'll let them talk. And, about the, it. and didn't they buy the Holy Grail from Andy Bleeden? They, they did. did. Yeah. yeah Andy is a common thread yeah. in this whole story. And so you know, as long as all you guys still keep one leg in the Highlands and one leg in Butchertown, and an increasing number of people have one leg in both neighborhoods, I'm feeling good. So I guess my parting message to you guys is, you know, don't forget where you lay your head at night. <laughs> And uh, if you have any great ideas for things we should be doing in our neighborhood, um, I hope you call me. So we're out of time. As uh, as usual, it comes quick. So I wanted to thank you guys both again. Mo McKnight Howe, Joe Heron, Andy Bleeden in spirit, Lori and Tyler, Ben, and all the other uh, uh, great business owners and community leaders who are doing good things in the Highlands and in Butchertown and East Market Street. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to 8 More Miles, the Louisville Metro Council District 8 podcast. I'm Councilman Brandon Cohn. Please stay in touch with our office. Visit our website at www.tinyurl.com slash cmconed8. And once you're there, please subscribe and stay informed to receive our bi-weekly e-newsletter.